Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I guess you can actually call this an Oscar race checkpoint. Mm -hmm. This is something we've alluded to for a while now. Our big quarter one 2020 review. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, whose head somehow is still attached to both his neck and his shoulder after all the research that he has poured into this episode. So, Michael, why don't you take the floor here, tell the good people what exactly this ORC is going to be today. I learned that math is calming amidst a <laughs> pandemic, and I did a lot of simple, stupid math that I probably am one off here or ten off there. Don't hold me to it, people. I think uh, I think I did my very best, and I had like a couple of beers last night finishing this up, so I don't know how uh, spot on it's going to be, but it's close enough. You'll see those percentages coming up. But basically... You know, we're going to open things up talking about the Sony big news. They moved their slate, and uh, I think that's important stuff to get done off the bat. Uh, then we're going to dive into, you know, the films that we saw in quarter one with our guests and kind of, you know, gauge them against, you know, historical quarter one films that have been nominated, that have won Oscars in the past. I did two sets of stats, essentially. I did the last 10 years of all nominees at, at the Academy Awards, and then I did all of the pre previous Best Picture categories. That's literally every single nominee, every single Best Picture winner. So I have complete stats. If we ever give a, web a website up, Mike, I'll have those posted. <laughs> That'll be like t 15 articles. That'll be a whole series. We, we got content ready for you guys because I did I did it by decade. I did it by, yeah, oh, my God, I'm a lunatic. You've done incredibly well, and uh, I, I I can't vouch for him because I'm not I haven't been with him again. We're doing this the social distancing thing. There's a chance he's on cocaine and PCP right now. You've heard how fast he was just talking, but again, I'm gonna say he's not. Coors Light and cigars, which I need to quit. You're hearing my voice being extra raspy these days. It's because there's so many extra cigars. I don't know. Just that downward turn into uh, Sam Elliott. Cool. Yes, yeah, there's a downward Michael turn into Bear. Sam Elliottville. But you mentioned it, Mike. We do have a guest joining us today for this episode. Uh, someone we've collaborated with once already on his channel, Ryan McQuaid of In Session Film. He is a frequent co-host on their weekly extra film show. They've been binging the Criterion channel, having just completed an Ingmar Bergman series. And now they're in the midst of a Fellini rewatch. We joke quite often that because they're also doing a James Bond review and rewatch of certain kinds, that mm -hmm. they're the more serious and, and knowledgeable version of what we try to do here so if you're looking for more of the in-depth stuff and and really a philosophical and educational conversation in session there's really few uh podcasts movie podcasts like it on the web uh that's not going to be the case today though mike because like you said you did pour your heart soul and brain into this and but we are lucky to have ryan come along with us on this ride that you're strapping us into here yeah ryan uh, does the uh chasing the gold series too on in session film and we were uh we were on there with him right before the right after the nominees came out last year and he predicted parasite like he pitched us hard yeah, and we still stubbornly 
didn't take his advice. Like, cause he was like, this is the movie of the moment. The movie of the moment always wins. It was a great pitch. Go back and listen to that episode for that epic speech. I mean, he was practically Cicero in, in that moment <laughs> and it didn't get through our thick skulls, but we should have listened to him. He was right on. And yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to have him on today. Yeah, he's also a frequent guest at Award Circuit and their Circuit Breaker podcast with Clayton Davis and company over there. We are thrilled to talk about quarter one movies and their Oscar potential today with Ryan. So here is our talk with him and we will see you all on the other side. All right. On the line right now, Ryan McQuaid. Ryan, thank you for joining us, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Oh, terrific. Uh, we, we thank you for coming on today. We basically were peeing our pants because you did like a stand-up comedy routine on how this <laughs> quarantine is basically training. Your, it's really your moment in social distancing, right? Because you've been getting ready for this for a while, and you think the rest of the world is going to catch up and we're all going to stay agoraphobic for the next 10 years? Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, I was telling you guys off mic, but I'm going to tell it for your listeners because I think it's great. Um, That's... Basically, when I was a kid, you you know, they'd have all these uh, the new electronics come out, whether it's like a new PlayStation or a new iPhone or whatever. And I just learned that waiting six months, you know, was a good idea, you know, because <laughs> then you get all the bugs and you get all the things out of the way. And usually people throw, you know, have to get the refunds and everything. I'm thinking that's how I'm going to approach society. From here on out, I think that I'm just going to I'm just going to let it all just burn to the ground. And then six months afterwards, then I'll go back to the movies. You know what I mean? I think that that's I think that that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm living in my greatest life right now of of just social distancing has been something that I've been advocating since birth. So I think that it's uh, I think it's it's great and I love it. So uh, you're going to be ready for your time when this is all over because it's, it's all coming up McQuaid in about, 10, oh, about yeah. five years. <laughs> all right. So uh, we did want to start off with a uh, with a question on current events, on the current events of the movie industry. We saw all the major studios move off their April and May schedules. Much of June just moved off this week with Wonder Woman, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Now Sony, Ryan, Sony – they basically take all of their blockbusters scheduled and they kick them to 2021 and they moved off all their mm-hmm. dates. What's your gut reaction to that maneuver? Well, first of all, some of the Sony movies that were on the slate, thank God that they did move them. Um, but uh, I, 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 I mean, come on, look at that slate. Uh, but I, I will say this. It is a, a growing thing that I've been noticing a lot with the studios is that they are responding, I think almost as appropriately as I would want our government to respond in most governments because Mm. of the fact that they need to see this through a lens that this thing is not going away. And we can be as optimistic and, and, you know, we can have people say it's going to start on Easter or when we're going to go back to normal or if we're going to, you know, come back in June or July. The thing is, is that whenever we do come back, whether it is August or September where things start opening up, you're able to go to a restaurant or go to a movie theater and, and be able to interact again with uh, humans, um, which I mean, for some, that's going to be great. Um, but <laughs> the thing about that is, is that normalcy usually takes 
a long time to get back in the swing of things. I usually think that, it, let's say, for example, if we get back in August, it's going to take us probably until 2021 for us to finally feel comfortable as a society. And even then, I don't think that we're going to. I think that there are going to be a lot of people that are, are going to be scared. I think that, you know, these franchises are going to be the, the draw to get us back in the theater. That's why I think Wonder Woman placing itself in August is a, is a, is a right spot because when we do want to go back to the movies, we're going to want to see something big, something fun, something to get our minds to escape. Uh, as much as I love, you know, something from Paul Thomas Anderson, <laughs> you know, or, uh, or Kelly Reichert's first cow, even, I don't really necessarily want to see something like that after a pandemic. I kind of want to see, you know, some superheroes beat that living hell out of one another. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not a big fan of the genre. I just think that I think that's something that everyone's going to want to see because they're going to want something joyful. And so looking at Sony's slate, I mean, there's been some movies on this slate that's been moving around a lot. I think Uncharted's never going to get made. Uh, so Absolutely that's, not. So that's just, you know, let's just throw that out the window. But I think, you know, moving something like Morbius, that really screws up a lot of their plans. And I'm assuming they're talking to Marvel a lot with uh, the possibility of their kind of Spider-Man spinoff series that they've been doing with Venom. Uh, then you look at like Ghostbusters. Uh, I think moving that next March is actually pretty smart. Uh, they can capitalize off of that, you know, kind of March is always a little bit of a dead zone. Um, and then there are other films. I mean, you're talking about a couple kids movies and, and then a couple Oscar bait ones like Greyhound. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting move by them to say the least to put some of these in, into TBD status. Um, because we just don't know where we're at. And I think every studio is just waiting for the okay. And then when it opens up, I mean, guys, I don't think we're going to have a dead week for a long time. I think we're going to, we're going to have movies galore, quality movies, everything that you wanted to see, you're going to see it come in a wave and it's going to feel great, but we're also going to need to be cautious about that because, even as we, you know, like China, for example, China tried as their, they went below their curve, right? And they tried to open up their theaters and even that backfired on them. So I think we still need to be careful long after, you know, we were able to see the slate resume. I happen to agree uh, with a lot of things you said, and you kind of touched on what the next question was going to be, right? Uh, do you think there's maybe a bit of an ulterior motive, too, for Sony moving so many of these? They're kind of slate here, the the Morbiuses, the Ghostbusters Afterlife, their bigger blockbuster pictures. They're not moving those to, like, what WB did with Wonder Woman. They're not pushing those off to August or September. They did move them all the way to 2021 or to TBD. Do you think maybe that's just to kind of get a head start on 2021 and pick dates before Disney really has a crack at some of them. I mean, Disney's schedule is pretty full up for the next couple of years, but maybe they're trying to jump in and, and try to beat Disney to the punch for some of the rescheduling stuff. Well, absolutely. But I do also think that they're having to work a little bit with Disney, right? Because they're having to work with, with the Spider-Man stuff True. a lot. And so I, I think, though, for their other projects, absolutely. Whoever wants to get in on it before Disney and Mouse and Company is pretty damn smart, in my opinion, uh, because they're always the, the, you know, the money machine in, in Hollywood. I mean, they own Fox properties as well as their own properties that they've been building over the last couple of years, uh, you know, with Star Wars and Marvel and just and then their animated films as well. And then Pixar, you know, so Disney is is going to play this 
as you know, they're going to be very smart and smooth through the transition. So everyone else kind of, I think needs to beat them a little to the punch. And so by doing that and what Sony's doing is, is pretty smart. And then they get a lot of their other titles. I mean, I think that they, they you know, they, they're, they're going to have what the next Tomb Raider come out next year as well. And Sony's going to have a good year. And, you know, even to your point, they haven't really moved a lot of their Oscar movies out of the way. I think that what they're just trying to do is financially set themselves up for a good 2021, because I think a lot of studios aren't like Disney. They don't have a lot of bankable things that they can put out immediately. I mean, even look at like what Universal did with Fast and Furious. They know that that movie is primarily a international box office play. And they cannot just solely survive on a domestic run. So they move that completely to the next year. And I think that Sony's following suit with them. And I I expect a lot more studios to do it. I don't see Disney doing it nearly as much because they have a slate. They have a plan. They would have to move everything back. Like you're talking about Marvel. They would have to move everything back. That seems like a massive headache for Feige and company that I just don't think that they're willing to do. So I think you could end up seeing something like Black Widow come out in September and, you know, uh, the Eternals come out like a month later. And and it would make all the, the Marvel fans just absolutely happy, but it would might hurt them financially a little bit, too. Yeah, you wonder if there's enough uh, real estate to go around because, like you mm-hmm. said, when this thing is over, you know, and, and maybe the bunker people will still be in their bunkers and the blast from the past or and the blast from the past people <laughs> will just be doing their thing watching VOD movies. But the rest of us get out. They're probably going to bars. They're going to beaches. I don't know if they're all going to movies, but the, I, I do think the, the faithful, us Oscar people, us you know, movie lovers, us crazed uh, individuals that need to spend time in those old, you know, crappy seats with that hard candy. You know, we want to <laughs> see the rest of Sony's slate, for instance, instance. And thank God they didn't move their Oscar slate. They have The Father with Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. That's November 20th. Connected is that animated Lord and v- Miller movie from the Spider-Verse team. News of the World with Tom Hanks from Paul Greengrass is coming out Christmas. And Happiest Season, which might be the dramedy that just hits a chord with Kristen Stewart, Allison Brie, Mackenzie Davis, Aubrey Praza. Does any of that Sony slate sound Oscar-y? And are you relieved that they haven't moved that slate yet? Oh, absolutely. There's a big title there. And you mentioned it. It's News of the World. Tom Hanks and Paul Greengrass, last time they collaborated was Captain Phillips. And it's one that I think that we could all use it. It seems to be more of a very, you know, kind of like this guy traveling around and, and, and giving the news to people in great and green grass is an Oscar guy for United 93 and, 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 and even his born movies made it in to that pack. You know, they, he, he was able to get some nominations there. Of course, Hanks is riding off of the Oscar nomination for a beautiful day in the neighborhood, the Mario Heller film from last year. Uh, and the last time they were together, Captain Phillips, it, it landed a best picture nominee and Barca Bobdi was nominated. And it was one of the biggest snubs of the last decade with Tom Hanks not receiving a Best Actor nomination. So there's a lot in play for there. Plus, it's a Christmas Day release. Uh, That's a huge Mm -hmm. player. And I do also think Happiest Season. 
um, as well. Uh, you know, you're talking about Kristen Stewart. She's been one of the most consistent actresses. You got her and Mackenzie Davis in this film, um, you know, it, it, and playing the, this couple and, 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 and trying to uh, navigate through their, their lesbian relationship. I think that it could be something that could move Kristen Stewart into the Oscar conversation. She's had so many wonderful roles over the last couple of years, really solidified herself along like her ex Robert Pattinson, Twilight's co-star in as one of the, the best actors working today. And it would be a great vehicle for her. But then you also talk about the father Hopkins and Coleman got a ton of claim coming out of Sundance, including Hopkins and Coleman writing off her win and, you know, and writing off the crown uh, that has a big thing. So, I mean, Sony's plate for the Oscars. And, and of course, you know, you got the Spider-Verse team that won the Oscar as well a couple of years ago. They have a strong slate here. So why wouldn't they want to keep everything here? Because they're playing their cards, I think, the exact way that everyone else is in the Oscar season, which is keeping those fall releases that we know of. Now, the problem is, is you're going to have movies probably like The French Dispatch from Searchlight. You're going to have Warner Brothers move back Tenet, in my opinion, here within the next couple of weeks. Those are going to be big plays. Do these movies get lost in the shuffle or does one come over the top? I think that's news of the world. I think everything else might just have to play in specific categories like Stewart, like Hopkins, like animated feature for connected and news of the world be its big player. And I think that that's what Sony's already thinking as well. So we're focusing a lot on speculating and what might happen for the rest of the film year. We did have, I don't know, like eight weeks of normalcy before the world <laughs> shut down. So let's let's kind of look back at what happened on quarter one thus far when theaters were, you know, still a thing. Do you think as a result of this corona pandemic that's going on, maybe we don't know what's happening with the rest of the film here. Is there any Q1 film that was released thus far that you think could be helped out maybe most in terms of being brought up to awards prominence just surely because of the exposure it will get with nothing else coming out for the next two months or so? Now, are you talking specifically for Best Picture or are you talking about for overall awards? Well, take it take it overall. I mean, you could answer it any way you want, but I guess, mm. you know, take it overall. Well, I think there are some films that you could individually see. Obviously, Onward from... Pixar, they they're gonna they're gonna be playing for that one. I think the film that to me personally has the shot of getting into a best picture conversation and an actress lineup is The Invisible Man. I think that that movie was very critically acclaimed. It was a good box office success. If I mean, we haven't had many box office successes this year, um, but it was definitely one. I mean, it's made on a $5 million budget. It, 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 it was number one of the box office for two or three weeks. It, it, was, it was very successful, and it has a performance from Elizabeth Moss that is quite mesmerizing, and, and, and the film is terrifying, but it also does exactly what Blumhouse did with Get Out, which is it has this ability to take a social topic that is very much on the mind. You're talking about using the Me Too movement and domestic violence to revamp an old you know genre in the, the monster kind of movies, and that the monster, it's not really, you know necessarily like a ghoul or a goblin it is a normal human who uses the technology 
uh, in, in to to kind of pastor uh, this woman to drive her mad. And, and, and it's, it's a movie that is primarily about what happens when we don't listen to people that are abused. And what that movie does is see things through her lens the entire time and makes the audience not only terrified for what they're seeing, but it makes the audience also want to root for her. You feel sympathy, you feel empathy, and it's a knockout performance with some great direction, uh, a gobsmacking ending with twists and turns. It's, it's one of those that I think if people are watching at home like I did, cause I was not able to see it in the theater. I think it plays just as well there than it does, you know, in the theater for a lot of people that have seen it. And, uh, it's, it can be an across a contender. I mean, it, it could, it could get into screenplay, you know, it could get into actress. Like I said, it could get into picture. You're talking about visual effects as well. I think, uh, some production design for that movie too. The movie has impeccable production design with the house and, and the, and the different locations. Uh, the cinematography is really well done. And so I think that that's the one I would look to, to be the one that, gets in there because we've seen Blumhouse do so well before with the Oscars, especially something that is early in the year to come and break through like get out. Um, even something like black Klansman too, you know, coming out that was halfway through the year, but still, I mean, they were able to get in a crowded lineup that year as well. Wow. That's a, a hot ass take yeah, like from that. a hot ass man for sure. <laughs> no, I'm thrilled with that because I love the Invisible Woo. Man. I'm, I'm all about that movie, and uh, she's number one. Elizabeth Moss is number one on my actress list right now. I hope a lot of Board Academy members just listen to you, man. And I hope that comes true. I did want to talk about what could have been with Mulan for a second because you know the last three years, the last ten years overall, I guess the last six, we've had three Best Picture nominees come out of quarter one. We had Black Panther, it won three Oscars, it was nominated for seven, including Best Picture. Get Out, it won original screenplay, it was nominated for four more, uh, three more. It should have won Best Picture, damn it! <laughs> and then in... Uh... <laughs> And then in 2014, you had the Grand Budapest Hotel, nine total noms. It wins four there. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you think Mulan could have been a contender like those movies, or if you think it's more like a Beauty and the Beast that got costumes and production design, if it's more like uh, an adapted screenplay possibility like what Logan did. Where, where do you think, what's the buzz you've heard about Mulan? Well, I, I have to say this is that when Mulan premiered it premiered with a lot of enthusiasm from critics that we normally see very enthusiastic responses from so i I, we weren't able to see with more screenings whether or not um they agreed with them as well with the initial reviews so i don't know if i can take them 100 percent as a face value for the film so far i mean they it is limited reviews for the film and then those reviews were kind of pushed off and, and, and told to not release even, you know, because of the fact that the film wasn't releasing by Disney and the movie is in a limbo right now, like a ton of titles. Um, now, I, to answer your question of how it would have fared, it's tough to say because of the fact that Black Panther was not just a movie. That movie was a phenomenon. You know, the movies like Get Out and Black Panther, 
they were phenomenons. You know, they they engulfed culture. Right. They engulfed the box office. They engulfed the ability to make memes and to make sayings. You know, Wakanda Forever and the Sunken Place are now forever known in the zeitgeist based Great off point. of those cinematic worlds that were created by Jordan Peele and Ryan Coogler. So that's why it elevates it beyond just a horror film or elevates it beyond another Marvel film, right? Uh, now, would it have gone down the Beauty and the Beast, the Lion King route? I don't know it would have gone down that route either because they were making a lot of changes to the original Disney animated story. There wasn't going to be music. It was going to be an action film. Uh, it was you know, going to be very... Uh, forward in how it presented Mulan and in a, even though it's set in the past with a very 21st century mindset. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and it took out a lot of the the quote unquote romantic leads within that original animated film. And it took out a lot of the silliness to make a serious war film. So I've heard that. I think it would have fallen in the middle. I think it would have gotten its production design. I think it would have gotten its costumes, which it looks impeccable just from the trailer alone. Maybe it gets, you know, along the lines of Crazy Rich Asians, where it gets a SAG nomination, you know, if it was able to do it. But I think for that movie to even be talked about for Best Picture, we would have had to seen box office. We would have had to seen global acclaim. We would have had to seen interviews and all the things that make a movie what it is we would have to see the word of mouth spread and and for me right now i can't say which side it would be so much like the film i think it's oscar possibilities would be in a little bit of a limbo right now based off of what we've seen and any box office success for milan certainly would have been dependent uh heavily on an international showing with the yes. appeal of that movie as well so mm-hmm. yeah i'm I'm picking up what you're putting down there. I, again, 100% agree. Let's talk about sh- shifting from Mulan and something that I was looking forward to seeing. Another one that I personally was looking forward to seeing uh, this year was Crip Camp. That one did come out on Netflix. Talking about the documentary feature category for a second. That was actually our on Mike, Mike and Oscar's second Oscar sprint profile of the year. Mike, what do you have for some quarter one documentary stats for us? Yeah, it's a quick one. Basically, only three docs have been nominated from quarter one release dates over the past 10 years. We had last year with Forasama. We had uh, Finding Vivian Mayer a couple years before that, and then The Gatekeepers. So, Ryan, I I wanted to ask you about the documentary film branch here because Mm -hmm. they have ripped our hearts out each of the past three years. And I love They suck! Yeah, I loved Crip Camp. I just gave it a rave review. It's one. It's my favorite movie of the year so far. So now I'm totally terrified. I'm extra terrified, even in a pandemic here. Because we had Jane in October of 2017. We had Won't You Be My Neighbor from June of 2018. Last March, we had Apollo 11, which was a great big mm-hmm. screen movie-going experience. Can you tell me what the fuck is up with the doc- documentary <laughs> film branch, and why do they hate me so much? Well, I think what the what we have seen is this documentary branch doesn't give a fuck you know about you or me or a lot of us. Um, I I wasn't as big on Apollo Eleven as a lot of people, but I understood why people loved the film. But then they all got to feel the same way I felt the year before when "Won't You Be My Neighbor," my favorite documentary of 2018, wasn't nominated, which was as a, a crime against humanity that that movie is not an Oscar nominated film. Um, a film that, 
you know, I, I even heard rumblings because of it's such a strong box office and it's acclaim that, you know, the, the producers and, and the, the, the Oscar strategists behind it were going to try to push Won't You Be My Neighbor for Best Picture and they couldn't even land it in Best Documentary, which was even heart more heartbreaking than I think just not even getting for Best Picture because that movie is so beautiful. I have not seen Crip Camp yet. I've heard a lot of great things, um, including from you guys, and and I will be catching up with it very soon. Have a lot of free time to do that. So, um, <laughs> I, gee, I wonder why. But um, no, I I think the thing about the documentary film branch is they like to go against the grain, for better and for worse. Sometimes it's for better. And sometimes, like you've mentioned, those snubs are for worse. Those are great documentaries. Just don't get me wrong. But they go for things that are, are, are different. Like for Sama is a perfect example of something that's different for the most part. Um, and, they, and they were able to take that. You know, I think of something like Bing Lu's Minding the Gap. That movie barely got released in theaters. It's mostly a Hulu play. You know, and it's done on such a small budget. It just has so much emotionality and it's so raw and real that you, by the end of that movie, are completely heartbroken for every character that is involved in that movie. And so it's really tough to say what the hell is the matter with them because they do get a lot of great films nominated. The problem is, is that they have this ability to ignore half of the year. And I feel like the Academy does that for a big extent. They ignore great performances. They ignore genres. They ignore just films flat out. I mean, a perfect example is, is, is something where, like last year, they ignored Jordan Peele after falling in love with him with Get Out. And in a film that is just as, as wonderful, led by you know something like Lupita Nyong'o or the year before with Tony Collette and Hereditary. Um, you know, I, I, that's why it makes me a little worried with something like Invisible Man. But that that movie is really the the high like the the best review thing that we've had from the first quarter. And and there's nothing else that comes close to it. So that's why it plays more like a Get Out in my opinion, than an us or a hereditary. And I, and I hope that Crip Camp can, can be like a for and stay in the mix. Um, because if it, it, if it's, it's also got Netflix behind it and Netflix, that's, that's a good company to have if you're a documentarian. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to add in to having you having not seen it yet. If the emotionality of won't you be my neighbor tugged at your heartstrings, I'm very curious to see to hear what you do think of Crip Camp when you get to it, because, man, that thing is is I don't think it's as much of a tearjerker, but it certainly can be in certain spots. And it's it's something that'll appeal to you if you were a big fan of won't you be my neighbor, I think. So just on a personal level, I'm curious to hear what you uh, what you do think about that when you get to it. We can shift and move on to the animated feature category. One of the last films that any of us saw uh, in a theater when we were able to see it was onward i know personally i was telling you guys before we hit record that was the last movie i saw in a movie theater probably ever because i'm never going back because i'm scared of my own shadow now after this that was the last time you saw me mike that was the last time that's the last time if it had yeah last time i saw a lot of people quite frankly mike i haven't gone out this is very sad this is very sad good lord guys guys right now we'll be under a blanket on a floor in the fetal position (laughs) There just happens to be a microphone nearby. So this is what it's it is. Crazy. This is my new reality. But it's, um, it's crazy that it's not picking up the rocking back and forth noises that are going <laughs> along with it. I have the gain turned far down on my mic. That's the only reason why. 
But let's talk about Onward with the animated feature category. Uh, a couple stats. There have been six animated feature nominees and one winner that have been released in quarter one over the past 10 years. The last winner, a Q1 release, was the 2011 winner Rango. The other nominees have been the 2013 nod for The Croods, last year's February release of How to Train Your Dragon 3 The Hidden World, 2010's original How to Train Your Dragon 1, 2018's Isle of Dogs, and 2017's The Boss Baby. Well, we were talking before we hit record again about how this is kind of a strong year for animated feature. We've mentioned some of those titles as is. Having seen Onward Ride, does that feel like a How to Train Your Dragon type contender, or do you think this goes the way of previous Dan Scanlon, Pixar film, Monster University, and is kind of left on the outside looking in come Oscars time? You know, I would have I would have told you initially when uh, that movie was coming out, I was like, wow, well, Pixar really is going to lay the bed releasing this movie in like March, and then we're going to get to the real contender with Soul later in the summer. Now, I'm starting to think after seeing Onward, this is a really good movie and they might have the ability to really screw themselves over because they will have two strong contenders and maybe it helps out something like Connected if it is released or maybe Soul isn't as strong as a lot of people think it is. But Onward it's a really good movie. I, I would say it is right up there as I, I believe it is my favorite film that I've seen so far from the 2019 releases. I have to go and double check. I, I believe that is correct. Um, it's hard to really remember what the hell I've seen during, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen some movies and then I try to forget some of the ones that I have seen from 2019 already this year. Um, they were not, that were not some great experiences. I'm looking at you D Reese's new movie, but anyway, um, I will say that I think the film has a great chance of getting in the five winning it's going to be tough because it's going to have to go up against its its Pixar brother it's going to have to go up against connected but it is a really good film and it has you know i think it's Dan Scanlon's best you know work at Pixar and it's way better than Monsters University so yeah i could see it being like how to train your dragon the problem is with how to train your dragon is that it never won so you know i i don't know maybe i would say of it more as like a brave I guess, hmm. um, you know, like because it is from Pixar and it has that bump, though it's in that medieval genre. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, It's really tough to gauge it because we haven't seen the other films or know what else is coming out. But as it stands, it it is the leader in the clubhouse. And it's absolutely insane when you're reading out those stats that Rango is the last quarter one, you know, best animated feature winner. I mean, it's great because Rango's a great movie. But it's it's kind of shocking when then you read off the list of like usually that's when the How to Train Your Dragon films or the Kung Fu Panda movies come out. And then you have like Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. You know, those are all great movies and they get their nominations. They don't necessarily win. They usually lose to a Pixar movie. So for a Pixar movie to be in that position is extremely strange and, and uncharted waters. Um, but should lead to interesting, you know, kind of conversations once we, if, if we get to an Oscar race at the end of the year, <laughs> it's going to help my levels of dorkiness. I think if Onward gets nominated, I mean, I know it's a kid's <laughs> movies, but it still points for me and I won't feel as alone in the world if a fantasy <laughs> film, because it's been a while since the Lord of the Rings guys. I don't know if you know this, but 
Anyway, I, I wanted to ask you kind of about the rest of the card. You know, I, I told you I'm not asking you about this part. Emma is going to get nominated for costume design. I already made that declaration. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a bunch of movies here, so I'm just going to rip them off real quick. You know, Birds of Prey, you know, for for makeup and hairstyling maybe. We had uh, Bad Boys for Life or Sonic for VFX. You know, I throw some Hail Marys here. We got The Banker with Samuel Jackson, who's 71 and has never won an Oscar. That is shameful. We have Pete Davidson, Big Time Adolescence, Ben Affleck in The Way Back. We have uh, Margot Martindale being deliciously evil and blow the man down. We have mm-hmm. uh, Baccarat, The Wild Goose Lake. Maybe if they're eligible for Best International Features, we know that The Whistler and Portrait of a Lady of on Fire are not. Ryan, are any of these Hail Mary passes being thrown by Aaron Rodgers here? Are they going to score with the Academy? And a quick follow-up question. I'm speaking forever, but I don't care. Should my speaking privileges here go, heretofore with be revoked after using that metaphor? <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear about Aaron Rodgers. Oh, oh, gross. I was going to uh, say, does Romo work better for this analogy? No, I, uh, Dak, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Stop, Roger Staubach, you know, yeah, even Brady. I would even say Brady. I, I, I far hate Aaron Rodgers more than Tom Brady. Um, but he's so, got the Hail Mary magic, though. I mean, he's, he does. Yeah, but, he does. But, but you do know where the Hail Mary originated, correct? No, no I do not. not. So the Hail Mary originated from the Dallas Cowboys and Roger oh, Staubach Roger and Drew Pearsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the ones to coin it because, yes, <laughs> it is the truth. Go look it up. It's, it's, it is, that is a fact that it was coined by the Dallas Cowboys because it was a late pass in one of the games way back when. And they asked him and he said, I don't know. I just threw it up and I said a Hail Mary and he caught the ball, you know? Yeah. And so that's, that's the truth. Um, the internet will help me out, which is a weird statement to say in 2020, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would make um, fun of you, but we're both giants fans. So I, I have yeah, nothing well, left in hope. Well, yeah. I mean, do you, you know, you, your team speaks for itself anyway, sure ask to answer your questions. Um, <laughs> here there's, well, one, I do, I do agree with you that Emma is a contender at least in those costumes and oh, production nice. designs. Um, but uh, as far as, as um, Birds of Prey, Birds of Prey is an interesting film I think that we haven't mentioned a lot about because you know it does have a lot of great production design, sound, the makeup, the visual effects, you name it. Yeah. I think also Margot Robbie's really damn good in the film. It could maybe even land herself in a Golden Globe Best Actress nomination for the film, something along oh. the lines of, of mm-hmm. like... Uh, Ryan Reynolds for Deadpool. I think that that's not far of a stretch for that film. And yeah, if Suicide Squad and Joker can get nominated for their makeup, I think that Birds of Prey has a very good shot of getting in there. Um, I haven't seen The Banker. I've heard a lot of things about that movie. Uh, mostly the 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 personal things that caused that movie to be a 2020 release rather than a 2019 release. Um, but I do know that Sam Jackson gives a great performance in it. Ben Affleck seems to be the other, though, performance, along with Elizabeth Moss, that everyone is talking about from the first quarter. Um, his performance in The Way Back, regardless of the the film itself, it, it not being that great, mm. Affleck is fantastic in the film, and it's a deeply personal film for him. Right. So I, I could see him getting a comeback, or maybe the fact that you know some some critics groups pick him up, 
I don't necessarily think he could be like Moss and could take it all the way, but I definitely can see him being in a conversation. That's for sure. And, you know, just thinking about this, I love Neon, okay? I really love them, but they are fools. They are absolute fools for putting Portrait of a Lady on Fire last year because they would be winning that, sewing it up because they released that movie in 2020, um, you know, and they would have back-to-back years where I think they would have won. It's a shame uh, that that movie... I mean, it wasn't a shame because I saw it in 2019 and I absolutely love the film as in my top five, but it's a shame that it's not going to get a proper awards run. You know, I, I think... There's not many other films. I mean, the problem is, guys, we didn't get that many. You know, I, it's, right. you know, you even look at like Bad Boys and Sonic. It's like, yeah, maybe Sonic could in visual effects. I don't think Bad Boys is touching that category with a 10 foot ball. Um, but Sonic could because of the fact that they had to go in there and they had to re engineer the character and everything. And it was a big hit. But I mean, it's, it's tough pickings when you try to find little things uh, to fill out this quarter one. Well, I admire your uh, your audacity and your gumption because I think you might be the first person in the past 18 months to call Neon a fool after the 2019 they had. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I very much admire your audacity with that, and I was proven very wrong about Parasite in general, and you tried to preach to me how wrong I was before the fact, and I didn't listen, so I'm just going to sit here and nod along with you. But uh, I, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, hey, no one's perfect, right? Even Neon's not perfect. Right? You are definitely not perfect. Uh, That's true. I can not- vouch for this, yeah, this po- this podcast is not perfect uh, <laughs> because of the the you know the kind of half the sham you know, or the the vitriol that was put against Parasite. Uh, right. Which, uh, I mean, right. I mean, considering the fact of the film that won, you know, the year. It's yeah, just the, it's a twelve month long apology tour for me. Yeah. I've, I'm the only person that's happy this film year has been wiped out because it gets <laughs> condensed. For, no, I'm joking, of course. But uh, all right, let's go into the historical segment of this. Also, Mike did a huge deep dive into research here, so Ryan. I hope you enjoyed talking because you and me aren't going to get to for a little bit here as Mike goes through exactly what he did. So, Mike, you lost your mind doing a deep dive into the research of nominees and best pictures over the past however many years. I think it was actually forever in the history of the Academy. You've divided the bulk here into two parts. So this is your moment, Michael. What did you do? All right. Well, the first part is the last 10 years. So I did I did two parts. I did all the best picture nominees ever. We'll get to that in a second. This first part is just all the nominees in the last 10 years from all categories, except for three. I didn't do best international film because a lot of times those movies are released after the calendar year and they have different Mm -hmm. eligibility rules. And I did not do the three short film categories as well. I took domestic release dates limited then wide. I did not take premiere dates uh, for obvious reasons because you could premiere at a festival months earlier this was a total of 322 domestically released nominated oscar films now i did break down the big eight categories as well so you're going to get like the 21 category number then the big eight number so i'm going to call all for 21 out of 25 and then i'm going to call the big eight the major noms so that'll be the terminology guys and of course the big eight categories is picture director the four acting which is six and then the two screenplays so these 322 nominated films are all they cover all nominees in the 21 categories over the past 10 years yes Okay. All the nominated films. 
Right. Right. So of those 322 that have been nominated for any Oscar in the, those 21 categories over the past 10 years, Ryan, this is where you come in without looking or, I guess, cheat if you want to. I'm not your mother and I'm not next to you. I can't keep tabs on you. <laughs> How many of those 322 nominees over the past 10 years would you guess, either in total or percentage-wise, came from quarter one films? Oh, God. Uh, you're really putting me on the spot. Um, I am. I'm not looking, by the way. I could cheat. I'm not going to cheat. Um, I'm going to give a ballpark estimate. Um, you said 322 films, correct? Correct. Right. I'm, I mean, usually it's like less than like two or three a year, I guess. So, I mean, uh, I'll, uh, 30, 31. You are very close, sir. It, the answer is 25 of those wow, 322. Okay. So you are very, very close. 25 total, 10 in February, yeah. 15 from March, <laughs> or 7.7%. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> you were close. How about a guess for the percentage of their major noms, you know, in the big A categories? So this is out of 165 films. Okay. Um, do I have like a timer on me? Cause I can do it in my head. Yes. The world has stopped, it. Ryan. You can't take as much time <laughs> as you want. That is true. We, it is burning outside my window. Um, well, obviously there's, there's stuff like get out black Panther. So that's two right off the bat. And then you mentioned grand Budapest hotel. Um, and this, we're talking just first quarter. So it's gotta be anything from January to March. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and then yeah, Logan was Logan was there. That was that was March release, I believe, late March, because that got the screenplay nomination. There was nothing in 2010, 2011. Can I give you a hint? What? Stop counting. Stop counting. <laughs> wow. Okay. So there, there you go. It's four. Correct. Yes, it's four. (laughs) Only four films have carried major category nominees over the past 10 years or 2.4%. I personally found that stunning. I mean, we all knew quarter one isn't the fertile Oscars land, especially lately. But still, to see that it's only 2.4% in the major categories, that is quite the stark number. So, Mike, do you want to explain what goes on the other nine months and three quarters of the year as far as a statistical breakdown? Yeah, so quarter two, April, May, and June, 53 of all nominated films out of the 322, that's 16.4% came from quarter two. 16 major noms came out of there, so the percentage goes down to 9.7. In quarter three, we have 61 films, 18.9% in all the categories, and then 20 of the major noms, again, that percentage goes down you know, because the major noms come in quarter four, mm-hmm. apparently, to 12.1%. So 18 down to 12. And then in quarter four, that's where all the magic happens. 183 of the 322 films were nominated from quarter four. That's a 56.8%. Uh, 75 from December, 70 from November, 38 from October. So December is the hot month there. 124 noms, in, or major noms rather, out of the 165. So that's 75% of the big eight categories nominated <laughs> in quarter four. And all the, best, wow. yeah, all the best picture winners, by the way. Tip of the cap to you for doing that research, but that is a stark, stark number that three out of every four major category nominees come from the last quarter every year. 
for the last mm-hmm. 10 anyway. So, Ryan, uh, quarter four dominates, like we, like we said, but there's still 43% of the overall nominees coming from the other three quarters. Does this mean, as an Oscar podcast, we can exist year-round and not be complete idiots? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think being complete idiots and doing a podcast is mutually exclusive, guys. That's um, a good I point. Mean, uh, <laughs> no, I kid. Uh, I, I, that's that's not true. Um, as a as an idiot who puts on his own shows, I can tell you that. Um, but uh, I, I will say this: that yes, you you can do an Oscar podcast year round. It's that's I mean, it's a free country. That we, that we know of for now until we go under martial law. Um, but um, but no, it, it's that 43%, while it doesn't carry best picture winners, it's it's still a huge player in so many other categories. Um, I mean, we, we mentioned Grand Budapest Hotel. How many awards did that win? How many awards did something like um, Mad Max Fury Road you know, or, or, you know, you're even talking about something to the extent of last year, like once upon a time in Hollywood, right. Right. Which nabbed a ton of nominations and it happens every year. That's why I always, and and that's, you know, the premieres of, of these movies too at festivals that helps it as when it's coming out too. But the, the number one thing I always say is there's usually one or two films that come out from the first half of the year. Uh, would I like to see more from the first half of the year? Absolutely, because it's called the best of the year, not the best of four months. Okay, right. but um, usually this is when the studios put their meatiest best products, and and then you know, much like a lot of people's top ten list, this is where I am going to bash Parasite a little bit. Um, you know, people remember only the thing that they've seen more recently; they don't remember what they saw in the past. So that's why when you see a lot of these best of the decade lists and everyone's putting Parasite at number one, I think people forgot the last nine years before that. You know what I'm saying? So therefore, they forgot the last nine months before that (laughs) as well. And they forgot about all the great cinema. That's why we're always championing. We're always writing pieces. We're always, you know, pleading to the the heavens, whether they're heard or not, through your guests or my guests or whoever, about films and, and, and performances that deserve it. You know what I mean? You're, you're talking, I, I mean, I could run a laundry list off of, of films last year that I loved some that were in my top 10, um, you know, like the farewell and book smart and us and, and once upon a time in Hollywood, they're all in the first half of the year that, uh, that impressed me, that moved me, that shaked me enough to put me in my top 10. So I would expect that that's the same for some other people, but that, you know, the campaigning and everything that goes into an Oscar campaign it can get overwhelming for some people. They end up hearing the latest thing for buzz. They vote for that. So that's where that 43% has to climb over the hill, you know, and then they also have to climb over the hill between themselves, you know, the, all the different quarter breakdowns, you know? And so that's when you usually have to have a film, like I said, that is very special or a phenomenon to break through. Right. So you're talking like a black Panther or, or um, a get out that's special or a really solid film that's one of the best films of his career, if not the best by some people's proclamations in, in the Grand Budapest Hotel for Wes Anderson, right? Yeah. And then you have to have something genre-changing or um, a really spectacular um, of a conclusion like Logan to break into the screenplay category. So, I mean, it, it plays all into those different kind of things. Do I like that? 
you know, most of my best picture winners are in October, November, December. No. Does it help me in my predicting? Absolutely. <laughs> um, but um, at the end of the day, I think we got it really close with Black Panther. I think we really got close with Black Klansman. I mean, yeah, with Black Klansman, but we also got really close with Get Out. I right. think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sat very nice in the third spot last year, um, <laughs> if I do say so myself. And so I, I think that we're making a progression towards that. It's just got to be a movie that stands out. And you're encompassing what happened with last year's Best Picture race, and that's where Mike spent part two of the statistics extravaganza. So, Mike, you broke down all the Best Picture nominees and winners from all the Oscars. You are a madman. Please go forward and explain yourself here. All right, guys. So going back to the late 1920s, a couple years after our last pandemic, right, there (laughs) has been 563 Best Picture nominations. Now, I was able to find what I think are legitimate release dates, and I had to do some digging for some of these, for 561 of them. So this is not total, but I missed two. I I didn't write down which two they were. I probably should have. Anyway, quarter (laughs) one, Best Picture nominees. Out of those 561, we have 54 of them. 13 in January, 20 in February, 21 in March. That's 9.6%. Uh, in terms of their total Best Picture winners, we have nine from quarter one. And I'm going to go over those nine right now, which equal 9.7%, and ask you guys to pick your favorite of the nine quarter one Best Picture winners. The Silence of the Lambs from 91, Godfather from 72, Patton from 71, The Sound of Music from 65, The Greatest Show on Earth from 52, Casablanca from 1943 it happened one night from 34 simmerin which i'm sure you're both gonna pick cinnamon mm-hmm. simmerin <laughs> from 1930 and uh, another obvious choice for whoever picks the other one the broadway melody in 1929 <laughs> ryan we'll start with you what's your favorite quarter one winner oh my god i mean just the simmerin was right there for the taking um <laughs> good lord uh no this is oh, this is really tough because there's good three. There's oh my god, oh my god, that's so tough. They had to be special, right? Just like they you had, just said, they had to be special. Most of the films that you just ran off of those nines, they are absolute classic. Some I would even argue as some of the greatest films to ever be made. Yeah. And two of my all-time favorite films are on this goddamn list, <laughs> and that is The Godfather. In Casablanca, I'm going to say The Godfather, oh, but I will say this about <laughs> Casablanca, is that that is the movie I watch every single year, like literally an hour and 47 minutes each year before the Oscars. That is oh, how cool, special huh? that movie is to me. Every single year is the best screenplay ever written. It's not even, it's not even close. And yet, The Godfather is the closest thing you'll ever get to a perfect film. I don't think any movie, nothing is perfect in this world, but that is the damnness and closest thing to it. Plus also you have like, Oh my God, silence of the lamb sound of music. God, God, move on. I I, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) It's the Godfather. It's the Godfather. Michael. I, I, I think Ryan's right. I'm, I'm more, I have two takeaways that I'm like kind of surprised that one is that this hasn't happened in 30 years. 
And two is that it's only happened a handful of times since 1952 anyway. Uh, four winners uh, from quarter one have won Best Picture since 1952, which is kind of surprising. I would love to know more about the backstory of The Godfather because why that was a quarter one release boggles my mind, especially because, as we all know, Paramount needed that to be a success to, to make mm-hmm. basically save the studio. Um, I think The Godfather is the right answer, but because of the outrage I felt on how the Academy has treated horror movies the last couple years, I feel compelled, like I have to say Silence of the Lambs, uh, the last one to do the big five sweep, too, at the Academy Awards. So I, I think that's where I'll land on it. I think it, it should be The Godfather. I think Ryan's right, but uh, for the sake of Tony Collette and for the sake of Lupita Nyong'o and for the sake of Get Out's Best Picture win, uh, all of those that didn't happen, I will say Silence of the Lambs myself. Do you mind I saying that last bit? Uh, I'm right. I just want to. I just want to play that again. <laughs> on a, it's very rare I hear that in my life. So as just, wrong as wanna... Ryan was about Parasite, <laughs> is no. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to get my auctioneer voice ready here for the rest of this, and then I'm just going to ask you guys what you think. So the the fun part's over. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Total Best Picture winners. Quarter two. We had 15 from quarter two. All right. That is 16.3. Uh, in quarter three, we had 14. That's 15% plus change. Quarter four, we had 53 out of the 92 for 50, almost 58%. In terms of the nominees for Best Picture, quarter two, we had 85. Again, 15%. Quarter three, we had 129 from July, August, and September at 561. And quarter four, we had 153. I'm sorry, that's just from December. We had 283 and 153 from December. Are you guys surprised that December is so dominant in these stats? No. I'm not, I'm not surprised be, just because... Say that louder to Mike, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no! Uh, God damn it, no! Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, just be like the voice of God. I said no. Um, but... <laughs> It's not surprising because people just, uh, you know, the the last thing they see when they vote, even if they got a giant pile of frickin screeners that are, you know, could fill up a, a giant football stadium, right? They, they hear one movie, maybe it's from us or maybe it's from uh, people that we know. They hear about one movie and they're like, yeah, I need to watch that one. And they watch that one. And then they go, yeah. Yeah, that that's the one. And then they watch everything else. They're like, it's good, but it's it's not that one. And it usually ends up being also the one that like they can watch with a family. They can that, that's most recent. Um, it's a lot of people are talking about it uh, because they can see the the people literally around the time they're voting doing interviews and and whatnot. And 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 also they might if they're an academy member go to an event and, uh, you know, shake the the hand of these people, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and that helps as well, <laughs> you know? So it, it, and I mean, in case of last year, I mean, who didn't want to hang out with the people from parasite? Those people are rock stars. Right. You know what I mean? Like I want to hang out with Bong Joon-ho. I want Bong Joon-ho to dot me. That man is awesome. All right. And his translator is just as awesome. All right. Yes. So yes, it is. makes sense that a movie like that, or or movies that, you know down the road. Now I, I can't say that about Peter Farrelly. I don't know if I want to hang out with a guy like that. But <laughs> I, I I will say that movies just like towards those holiday seasons when families get together, they 
grasp onto voters. And then they think, well, those are the most important films. And then they just completely forget about like movies that are actually important. Yeah, I, I echo. I think logically it makes a lot of sense. And I know Mike's trying to needle me because I theorized the last couple uh, uh, years here that I think the Christmas release has done more harm than good. And I kind of stand by that. I mean, downsizing Little Woman was hurt. I think if Little Woman came out in Thanksgiving. I think it does more damage mm-hmm. at the Academy Awards than it did. I think that week in particular, I, I might have something. And now I have to do some research just to prove my co-host wrong, which I'm very <laughs> I think, upset about. Uh, I think you have a recency bias about the recency bias of the Academy. That's the truth. That's possible. Well, I mean, it, it's possible. I mean, technically, doesn't the Christmas release then also rely on something that probably finished number two last year with 1917? I mean, you know, so if we're going off the most recent thing, too, I mean, it, yeah. it, you know, the the Christmas release is uh, you know i think of more something like the thanksgiving release is a better time to win you know i know december really dominates but i actually think in recent times like october and november seem to be the place where we're getting a lot of them it's not like you know where you know good old clint comes in riding in with a million dollar baby all of a sudden you know what i'm saying It, it is yeah or or we or we see something like 1917 break into the pack um, you know, it's something like like Parasite that came out in September, October time, you know, and then Green Book came out around Thanksgiving. That's why I was like saying a lot of the movies that were coming around Thanksgiving. I was like, that just seems like the spot you want to be in, I think, more than the Christmas time spot. But, well, you know, what do I know? You know, so. <laughs> to defend my co-host for a minute, Mike, uh, you'll be happy about this. I mean, obviously, the last five years, the November movies have been getting nominated more and the, they've been winning more to, for obvious reasons. There, I, I think that is because of the Oscar ceremony date. And if you look at all, I did this too. I, I, I tallied up all the Oscar ceremony dates and more of them take place in March or at best late February than take place uh, at the beginning of February. So I think mm. December is a hard sell for the beginning of February, but it's it's got more cushion for March Oscar ceremonies, and that's typically where those ceremonies have lived. You know, if you look at all the the Oscar uh, Oscars history, mm-hmm. it just it just makes me feel good to know that uh, I, I will pound the drum for Little Woman being screwed over in so many categories, and I've hung my hat on this theory that has no data or research behind it. And you did hours of this data and research, and I'm just like, no. No, you're you're wrong. I'm still right. So that's where I'm at mentally with this pandemic. The world is flat. (laughs) Fuck you. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Tip of the cap to you also, Mike. Obviously, great job with a deep dive of the research there. Uh, Ryan, we'll start getting you out of here. We cannot thank you enough for joining us. It was a joy talking to you, as it always is for us. You keep us sane and you keep us laughing. Uh, You said earlier you were a big fan of News of the World and their Oscar chances this year, uh, just as a means of previewing and looking forward and what the gambling odds say right now about the Best Picture race coming up. News of the World is actually the only film right now with the, the highest odds across the board from all the online uh, books wow. and, and the, the gambling books. News of the World has the best odds right now at 8-1. to one. The Trial of the Chicago 7 is in second place right now. It's got some 8-1, to one, some 9-1, to one, up to 10-1. to one. The Midnight Sky is third across the board at ten to one. George the Clooney. Green Knight, the Green Knight from eight twenty four. All right, everyone, fourth Come right down. now <laughs> at fourteen to one. I that makes no sense to me. Uh, that's, that's nuts. 
I think so too. Bearstein is fifth at fourteen to one. West Side Story sixth. You can find that from nine to one to sixteen to one. I, so I was going to ask you anything stick out to you, but you sound like me. Like the Green Knight makes no sense here. Okay, well, I actually have two. So the Green Knight is one. That's somebody's taken peyote. I swear to God. I mean, that <laughs> you take those odds. Good fucking luck with you. I mean, I will just say that. I, I'm not really confident on a lot of things throughout the rest of the year, but even though I know that David Lowry is a wonderful director, I love David Lowry. There's no, there's no, his movies are really great. He's slowly becoming one of my favorite filmmakers working today. I was really excited to go and see that movie because it was going to premiere at South by Southwest and I was going to be there. And obviously we know how that all turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie is the best picture. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, that, 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 come on now. We just, I, I mean, I love David Lowry, but that movie doesn't scream best picture. Now, the other one I'm going to tell you to uh, not put your money on is do not put your money on West Side Story. For the love of God, do not put your money on Papa Spielberg. That man will let you down like he has for the last decade and a half of his career. So if that is the case, if you want to bet your money on that, go on ahead and do it. You'll be wasting your money. Uh, I preserve my money during a time of crisis, and I don't give it up uh, for dumb, (laughs) stupid things. He is not going to win Best Picture for a movie that is a remake that looks by its pictures like they were photoshopped by me at six o'clock in the morning with that with only two hours of sleep that's what that movie looks like it looks off coming out firing so, on a couple so, of movies i like this yeah yeah so what i'm going to tell you is bet on something else bet on something like news of the world no man's land from chloe Zhao, you know which i think yeah. has, a, has a great chance i think of the french dispatch from wes anderson I think that has a great chance of something uh, from the first half of the year or was supposed to be the first half of the year. Uh, Mank. How's Mank not in the yeah. top five? That yeah, is Mank, that Mank blows is, my Mank mind. Is, Mank is number eight. That's uh, 16 yeah. to one. And the trial of Chicago seven. I think that those are the big players. Um, I think uh, Sophia Coppola's new film, you can't count out Nolan, um, whatever the hell Dune is going to be. I'm sure that'll be there. Either it's going to be on a Razzie list or it's going to be on an Oscar list. It ain't going to be in the middle. I can tell you that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it, just don't buy the West Side Story uh, stock in the, in, the, in the Green Knight stock. For the love of God, do not do that. <laughs> I think those are wise words of investment, <laughs> especially during a time when money uh, should probably stay in your pocket and in your wallet. Yeah, yeah I think that's wise. Look, I know Trump's going to try to give you a bunch of money over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Pay your bills. Don't spend it on this. Okay. Yeah. Get some groceries. <laughs> Do not bank on old man Spielberg. All right. Mr. Who doesn't like streaming Spielberg. All right. Don't don't try to do that. That's just a it's a bad, 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 bad. Don't do it. Yeah, Ryan, thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. Yes, and, thank uh, you, Ryan. I think uh, I think you're a star, and uh, please tell <laughs> our audience, you know, where they can find you on the internet, uh, what's coming up on in session film and award circuit, and uh, you know what you're doing over the next few weeks. Well, if you're gonna find me, you find me at my house, and I'll put a restraining order on you um, because <laughs> you're supposed to stay six feet away from me, uh, you crazy people. Uh, no, you can find my work, like you said, at in session film we i i primarily podcast on the extra film segments we did not stop our james bond miniseries we're not going to let 
COVID-19 stop us from seeing 007 movies. So we are actually in the middle of that right now. <laughs> and we're doing some other retro reviews with that. Maybe some new releases that come from VOD. Um, just trying to enjoy cinema as much as possible right now. Um, chasing the gold. I might be, I don't know when the hell that's going to come back. Um, because there's no, no movies, um, whatsoever to talk about. So we'll have to, I'll have to figure out some way, but in that case, I do do chasing the gold, which is our Oscar show there on in session film. I've had you lovely gentlemen on, I've had many lovely people on, um, and we're going into our third season already of chasing the gold. Uh, that's absolutely insane that it's been three years of that show. Um, I don't know how people have put up with me. And if you love me so much, you can go also over to award circuit. I do a ton of writing over there. We've got a ton of, of movie news, obviously the latest movie news. We've got top 10 lists, Q and A's, uh, reviews of movies that are coming out on VOD. We have the circuit breaker podcast, um, that we, uh, have, you know, Clayton and, and Karen Peterson and Mark Johnson and Joey Magnuson and Chris James and occasionally myself on. Uh, and then we're also been doing this cool thing. I know I've been going on forever, but there's a lot to plug. Um, I, I, I want to mention the extras. It's something that we've been doing. Uh, Clayton Davis, the editor in chief over at award circuit. He has been the guy, you know, doing a lot of, uh, interviews with some of our, our favorite people out on the internet. He's also had me on there. So that's the least favorite people on the internet. Um, but he's, he, this past week he had interviews with Paul Walter Hauser, Virgil Williams. Um, please go check a look at those videos. Uh, they're on our podcast feed for circuit breaker, but they're also on YouTube. Just got to search award circuit. Um, and we usually, we, we took a break off from there, but I'm sure Clayton will be back to those within the next couple of weeks. So we're trying to give, uh, everybody, a little bit of an escape because they're not able to escape their own houses and go to the movie theater. So talking about movies is the, the best way to do that. And so, yeah. And then you can follow me also on Twitter and Instagram at Ryan McQuaid 77. You need to do less uh, because you right. You did talk for a while, but that's because you do have so much stuff to plug. And yeah. You're making me feel bad for just being doing this one podcast. So don't no. do that. Stop doing so much. <laughs> do less and I'll feel better about myself. That's my request of you. My my problem is, is I don't have the ability to say no. So, uh, <laughs> uh, well. but I, but I and that's why I'm on here and I, and I love coming on this show. And I just want to say real quick that you guys do a fantastic job. I listen to you guys on every single episode. Um, oh, just thanks. keep up the great work. You guys are some of the best people I've talked with on the Internet. And um, we'll get through this, guys. We'll be talking about new releases and, and arguing about all those and you'll find out which movie that's on Parasite's level that you hate and rip my heart out for <laughs> in 2020. Well, that's very, very sweet of you to say. And I, I just want to return the favor and being able to collaborate with people like you really make this worthwhile. So thank you. Thank you for having us on previously. Thank you for doing this. And we will surely be doing it again in the future. Ryan, thank you so much, buddy. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. You guys have a great night. You too. See you, Ryan. Well, could not possibly ask for more from Ryan, uh, our first time having him on our show. But like we said, and like you heard, 
Uh, he was nice enough to invite us on his Chasing the Gold earlier in Oscar season, so go check that out on his feed. But wonderful guests. Uh, love him very much. Love his work, and uh, always a good time talking to him. Always full of laughs and information. Definitely. So like you heard Ryan say, go seek him out at his socials there where you can find us. As always, you, we want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about anything we talked about it, having to do with quarter one in this episode. Anything we talked about recently on MMO Weekly or anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those comments. We are Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike and Oscar on Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you happen to be listening to us during your downtime time in quarantine we cannot thank you enough if you happen to be listening to us on the apple podcast app if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review go ahead and leave in session a five-star review as well and award circuit why not their circuit breaker pod Two, michael what are some words of wisdom uh, i think ryan had the, the most wise words that anyone could have as far as keeping your money on you but <laughs> what are some lighter words of wisdom and uh what is coming next from mmo I hope the words of wisdom ring true. Don't bet on West Side Story, and I hope West Side Story <laughs> is not factoring in, because that was a bad rewatch, by the way. Any, uh, Anywho, all right, listen, we have been heckled now on, multi- by, on multiple fronts about the yeah. James Bond character study, and we told you guys the James Bond character study will return. I don't think you <laughs> believed us, but Mike and I just had a conversation. I mean, we formed a plan on how we're going to bring it back but we just had a conversation that cinched it. We are going to bring back the James Bond character study on a monthly basis. So yes. we're going to do one James Bond character study episode a month at least, and we're going to continue it that way. So you're not just getting a James Bond character study like smushed into November when we get 40 new films that we have to review. So I think that would have been unwise. So I think yes. we're going to do it monthly while we have the time to watch all these cool movies and some uncool ones. But so Roger Moore will be next. I don't know when in April we'll get that ready, but that's coming. Look, we're going to review another Oscar movie in our next episode. Never, rarely, sometimes, always, like we said. That'll be our third Oscar Sprint profile of the year after Onward, after Crip Camp. So that'll be number three. And then MMOW, those continue to be loaded with all kinds of news, all kinds of great discussions, all kinds of reviews. Like, we're reviewing how many things an episode, Mike? We're reviewing like 30 things combined an episode. It's crazy. Yeah, it is a lot. That is for sure. So, yeah, I think I, I sprinkled wisdom in there, right? Yada, yada, yada. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Guys, as always, uh, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies. Uh, reviewing all of quarter one and looking forward to quarters two, three, and four if they're going to happen with us during this quarantine time. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness and sometimes even without the movies. We will see you very soon. See you.